Hey, folks, thanks for tuning in to the Banff Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lafferty, and here is our contractually obligated opening song. And that uh, musical delight assures you, gentle viewer, gentle listener, that you're listening to a high-quality podcast, a, a high-production-value podcast, the finest ethically-sourced farm-to-table geeky conversation for your podcast listening pleasure. Here today... Is it organic? Are, it's organic. Uh, gluten-free. There is no gluten in this podcast. And Jacob Blackman's in the audience. How you hey, doing, Hey, Jacob? Jacob. Good to see you, buddy. Today, we are talking about perhaps the granddaddy of superhero RPGs, the hero system. And um, this podcast was the idea of this fellow over here who's wearing that amazing Christmas sweater, uh, Mr. Ross Watson of Star Animal Studios. Hey, hey everybody. Ross. My name's Ross Watson, and full disclosure, I have actually written a bunch of stuff for uh, Hero System net zines, like Easy Hero, Digital Hero, and uh, there's a third one. I can't remember what it is. I also was the lead developer on Aaron Alston's Strike Force from 2016, so uh, I have actually worked on Hero products, and I want to make sure to get that out straight away. Fair enough. Um, we also have the one-two punch of uh, Alice and Brandon. How are you folks doing? Great. Everyone calls me Lala. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And I love supers. And I love Hero System. As to me, I've been with Hero System. I haven't written for it or anything, but uh, back when I was in sixth grade, about so 35 years ago, approximately, uh, I had been playing D&D, and then I got that book, and the way that it's written, this was the fourth edition of the book, you know, there's all these examples for all these different settings, and I didn't really realize that there was no setting for the game. I just thought it was a fantastic setting because it had space and spies and superheroes and barbarians, and it just seemed fabulous. So I used to put together a bunch of characters for it and have run several games for it, but never really had the, the mentor person. It was just the book taught me how to play and so I've always felt that I might be coming at it from a different perspective than some of the people who had been mentored into it. Now, Brandon and Lala have a podcast called... Babies with Knives. Babies. And it is currently on hiatus, unfortunately, but we're hoping to get back to it at some point. It's actually how we met Ross Watson's uh, partner in business, uh, Brandon Verhalen. So we were doing Babies with Knives and we uh, crossed paths with him. Like uh, Song of Ice and Fire, it's a much beloved property with many fans, and it will return one day. Don't you doubt it. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, um, just to kind of put a framework around it, and after that, I will shut up and let you guys do your thing. Um, we're going to start off with everyone talking about their journey with the Hero System and how, how they came into Hero System. And um, once that, we can, as you were saying before the show, we're uh, kind of talk about where things have gone since then and you know, eventually lead up to uh, where things are now. Cool, cool. So, is this the book you started with, uh, Brandon? It's a different cover, but the same edition. Um, I sadly, I gave my book to my friend when we were playing sixth edition because it's uh, the from fourth to sixth edition. There are changes in the game, but they aren't massive, and so you can know how to play most of the aspects by reading any of those books. Some of the minutiae will be different. 
I also started on fourth edition, Brandon. Uh, the big blue book right there is the one I started on. And uh, I think something to point out is uh, important about fourth edition is it was the first one to have uh, actual comic book artists work on it. Um, that's a George Perez cover. There's a cover in this edition that was done by Adam Hughes. There's a cover in this edition that um, was done by another comic book artist. I can't remember his name. And then uh, uh, Zer uh, Pat Zerkter did a whole bunch of the interior artwork, the black and white. Uh, and he was comic. He eventually became a comic book artist, I should say. Oh, Ben Dunn also did some covers. That's the guy I was thinking of. Uh, Demon's Rule was one of his covers and classic organizations. I also started fourth edition. And for me, my memory of it was that it was just this, uh, it was very difficult to read at first as um, the way that it, uh, the way that it presented itself differently from a lot of other systems. But uh, I got really, really into it because of the computer program that was well ahead of its time, ages and ages ahead of time, because as soon as I got a basic understanding of it, I didn't need to worry about it because I could just start plugging in and it would just help me into it. I, I speak computers and it works really well for me, and but it was the best program ever and no gaming system, no VTT anywhere has created a character creation program uh, as good as the hero system character creation. So hero, hero I still maker. have memories of that. Yes, hero maker. Hero I, maker. And later on hero designer. And I can't believe that was over 20 years ago. I feel old. Yeah. See, champions, um, fourth edition specifically, uh, I got into in high school and uh, it really, Man, I'll tell you what, I can add up dice faster than anybody else I know. <laughs> and like doing basic math, addition, subtractions, multiplication, you know, even basic algebra comes out of this book. Like I just, it's it, right in my brain. High school for me as well. So we're similar age. It's, um, it gets a really bad rap on being very math heavy where the math is very simplistic. Like, like I said, sixth grade me. I was figuring out how to work the math um, without any difficulty. And so people who are saying, you know, you need advanced calculus or whatnot to get involved in it are very much misrepresenting. I linked um, the cover of my, uh, the book that I got while I was at my grandmother's. Um, and so, yeah, there it is up on screen. Uh, and so, you know, the fact that you've got these four different characters right there on the cover just supported me that this is obviously meant to be one cohesive universe, which was just a absolute kitchen sink. And I thought that was fabulous. Another great George Perez piece, by the way. That's what I thought, but I wasn't certain. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I played so many games, uh, fourth edition, just, just played the hell out of it. Um, ran a few, uh, I ran some dark champions in this edition as well. Um, and you know, whenever I think fondly about champions, I'm really thinking very fondly. It's, it's primarily the, the fourth edition of the game that I'm thinking of, because this is where I spent the majority of my time playing or running the game. For me, the, oh, go ahead, Alice. The majority of my time with it has definitely been in the cusp of fifth and sixth edition because back when it was fourth edition, I was introduced to it, we had groups, but it seemed that basically half the group was really into it and the other half was like, 
forget. I don't understand. And then we'd move on to something else again. <laughs> so my, my time was definitely more spent in fifth and sixth edition with people. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you yeah, know, for I, when you started, we we had this weird game that went from being vampire to being superheroes, like Vampire the Masquerade. And I don't remember. I think that we, no, we did play uh, Y2K. Um, at Y2K, we uh, did some champions in fourth edition, but uh, you and I quickly moved on to fifth edition when that did come out. Um, yeah. And so, but yeah, like I was saying, I used to make characters. I would try and make up all the X-Men in Hero System. And they they had, uh, as the example scenario, they had a map of like a bank. And they, you know, did the quick run through of how the game flows in this bank robbery. I think it was Crusader that was there. And so that's where like all my stuff would be. And just seeing how the, the characters that I would make would work in that environment. My, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, please, go ahead. You're good. Actually, my most iconic memory for fourth edition was when we used to go to certain conventions and there was a guy there that would run Powerball. And he would run, so what he did was he created this giant superhero arena and you could bring any superhero you built within a certain amount of point allotment or he'd have a stack of pre-generated for you that was generally stuff that he said that he'd built over the de uh, over a decade plus and he transitioned it from one system to you know, one addition to the next and such like that. And uh, you just basically played in this superhero arena where you were trying to get the ball, you were trying to keep the ball and magical stuff kept happening to the arena so it like shift and bad things would happen um and different things would happen and then you just have to get it to score and we played it every time we were, saw him at a con and that was the most fourth edition play i usually got was uh during his one shots it was just and it made me really fall in love with the way the system runs because if you know how to run it it's really really simple and clean we could probably do a whole episode about uh hero system con games because they they had a um, a really strong group that would run games of this at different conventions uh it includes a friend of mine named uh, rod curry and this group uh would particularly run uh very drama heavy very storyteller uh focused games um and it was shockingly uh immersive like i, I just loved it when these guys would run their games but uh there's there's like a long story there. I don't want to go all the way into it, but suffice to say, there's plenty to talk about with the uh, the convention scene. Um, there's a story uh, Ray Greer tells. Ray Greer, one of the original founders of Champions uh, of the Hero System, and it says uh, they were debuting, uh, I, I guess Champions First Edition maybe or second at Origins one year, and the spot that they had picked out to put their table was in an area outside the main ballroom but the line to get in was so long that they basically had the attention of everyone in line because they were situated just outside so ray greer calls up one of his friends who is a, a a young very attractive lady and she shows up dressed as wonder woman and starts handing out flyers and getting people to come over to play while they're standing in line and ray says that that is the moment that hero system really took off so that is an epic 
an awesome story. <laughs> I was noticing in the comments, a lot of people commenting about how it's a, uh, it's something, it's a system that's hard to wrap your brain around, but once you get it, it's, uh, it's great because you don't have the burden of classes and a lot of the things that, uh, really hold you back in a lot of other systems to build exactly what you want. And for my gaming group, we always introduce it as this is the system that gives you just enough rope to hang yourself with. I'd love to see the noose you craft yourself. <laughs> That's great. I, actually, I was gonna I was gonna launch into some system stuff uh, based on what Brandon had said, um, because the hero system in general is one of the most versatile systems that I've ever encountered. It can it can handle nearly any genre and scales generally speaking although there are some areas where it doesn't do very well but it scales up very well uh and sometimes scales down pretty good <laughs> for scaling down. part of it also is that you need a gm that has a mastery of the system because uh, a person can come up with a concept and build it 16 different ways. And it will be 16 different power levels, even if it is the same exact points, um, point set. So, you know, 350 points, 17, 16 different ways. And you got to have the GM that goes, no, that's just a no. But that's, this range is okay, but that's just a no. And if you have that, you can come together with a very cohesive group. Just wanted to call out uh, one of our commenters, uh, Fallen Empire Citizen. I don't know his actual name, but he's the author of Hero System Book of Templates 1 and 2, as well as the upcoming Victorian Hero Book. So he's a big fan. And Victorian Hero Book is coming out soon. I have no links or information, but uh, if you like Victoria-era stuff and you like superheroes, and if you listen to this podcast, you probably like at least one of those things, uh, you should check it out. His so, name sorry. is Christopher Hackler. Christopher Hackler. Good to have you in the comments, Christopher. So... Hey, I didn't mean to stop the conversation dead in its tracks. Please go, go back. Book to of uh, Templates 2. I don't think I've picked that up yet, but I know that I've got Book of Templates. Well, Alice and I have Book of Templates 1. And we really are, I don't know how much you've looked into it, but I've definitely enjoyed uh, the, the way that it was presented. If I remember it correctly, it gives you a lot of like pastiche characters uh, from some of the, the big media uh, and ways to construct those quickly and easily, if I'm remembering it correctly. Uh, you know, speaking as a game designer, um, I can say that I think the hero system teaches basic game design elements very, very well. It's got Principles like points cost structures, uh, it, it instructs you in different levels of play. Um, it was, for me, it was like the the first opening of my mind to the idea that you can actually design these games and you don't have to be a, statistic, a statistician or, uh, you know, anything of that nature. There are many, many systems that have come out of and are heavily influenced by hero system, including mutants and masterminds and one of uh, band podcasts favorite supers. Uh, those are two that have a lot of hero system in the mechanics. And without that, uh, I, it would be a very different world. I think without hero system. Prowlers of Paragons is also very highly based on it. Believe yes, it or not. That's very true. Uh, Monty cook was the lead editor for most of fourth edition of champions and when he got hired on to design uh to help design third edition D, &D uh 
Um, he told me to my face uh, many years ago that they absorbed quite a few uh, lessons from champions when they were creating D&D 3rd Edition. You actually know Monty Cook? Uh, I mean, I know of him. I, he probably will recognize my name, but I wouldn't say we're close or anything. <laughs> well, if you see him sometime in the future, can you tell me I want my seven bucks? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. appreciate that, man. Hey, Brandon Verhalen. Awesome to see Lala slash Brandon. You guys are merging into one entity. Hey, guys. Other Brandon. So good to see you, Mr. Uh, Star Anvil Studios, in the comments. So, But yeah, yeah, with the way that Hero System allows you easy accessibility to manipulate a large variety of the character, it does allow a lot of tweaks and designs. And when we were playing an extended um, game that took place, we were running it about 10 years ago, and at times we would just kind of like with the same idea of the character make a redesign that would make them statistically very different um, as a way to play with the system and see how many different ways you can work things while still staying true to the image that the character has. And that's something that I think that Hero System is fairly unique on is that ability to have so many different ways to represent things. Absolutely. You can build exactly the hero you want and model just about any ability or character from any media that you could think of. Uh, my friend, Mike Serbrook, uh, who has a website called Serbrook Stuff, has done this for years and years. Like you can basically think of any character uh, from the last 30 years and he's probably got it somewhere on his site. Yeah. Brandon and I both use that site <laughs> for reference from time to time because I'm like, and uh, a quick little secret, uh, when GMing, it is a fantastic tool if you're like, I don't have time to stat something together. Brandon's much better at statting a hero system on the fly. Like if he just needs to throw us a villain, he's like, give me 10 seconds and he's just jots, jots down stats. I need a little more prep than him if I'm running. So that site has been invaluable for me on that. And this game that Brandon was talking about, one of the things that I love about it was seven over 750 play hours. And we have like tons of documentation for character portraits. But we were able, we explored uh, the multiverse and uh, alternate realities with different versions of our characters. It was just su such a cool experience because, and no other system, like you said, can, can give you just that flexibility and width uh, of building so many exact points of interest and interconnectivity. So we've got a question from the audience for the panel. What are your favorite hero system characters you've created? That's from Mr. Eric Kessler. Um, for me, I don't know if it is my favorite in some regards, but certainly the most iconic for my gaming group and favorite in other regards is Lexa Livingston, AKA Lady Liberty. Uh, <laughs> lots and lots of memories. That's actually from the 750 hour plus uh, game. And uh, I ended up with a, uh, a Dark Liberty from an alternate universe that was my nemesis slash someone I turned into my friend. So she actually doubled as me when I was out of town. It was uh, a really great. We 
for our games, we very much played into the secret identity life as well as the superhero life, not just superhero stuff, which, uh, so we did the daily humdrum of trying to keep your secrets, trying to live your life, trying to work, and then going, there's a thing going on in Manhattan and you're stuck in a classroom teaching a lecture. <laughs> so. For me, um, the, there's some comments um, between like Fallen Empire Citizen and Jacob about the uh, normal characteristic maxima that uh, there's theoretically a point that you will still be considered uh, a person that we might run into in this world, that there's a strength maximum, a dex maximum, etc. And I love to try and build the Robin character, as in Batman and Robin, where they are within that normal characteristic maxima and they're using various tools uh, to try and exist in a world of superheroes. Um, I don't know that I've really ever played any of my many uh, attempts to model that, at least as a player character. A player character that I did play uh, was originally an NPC in the game that Alice was just talking about. And somebody uh, came in and they were going to do a story. And so he GM'd for like two weeks, so about 24 hours, because we would have about 12-hour sessions. And so I took that NPC because he didn't want me to, he didn't want to worry about introducing a brand new character. And so I'm like, okay, well, there's this NPC we've dealt with a little bit. And so it was a student of Alexa Livingston's at Columbia University. And she had been kind of uh, the subject that was going to be sacrificed in a demon summoning ritual but the superhero saved her but because of it she ended up being a conduit to other dimensions uh the infernal dimensions and so she had to learn how to learn magic and such and that's that all that had come in the background and so then she got kind of pulled into these people's lives uh as more of a superhero element uh, during that story and that continued on as she was an NPC beyond that story. And it was one that I've well, I've really liked and I've gone back to and just enjoyed the stories that were there. I made a character for a Dark Champions game called Technicality, who was a lawyer and her husband designed a super power suit and got killed by the mob. So she uses the power suit to avenge her husband and track down the syndicate and is not particularly nice about it. In fact, the game I was playing in, uh, it's called Vendetta Rhapsody. It's a really fun game. Uh, I ended up as the hunted that most of the villain guys had on their character sheet was hunted by technicality, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. And actually, um, I, you mentioning some of the background and some of the limitations is really cool. I, I didn't mention anything about Lexa's, but she stemmed off of the fact that we were asked by the GM to show up doing some homework and going, well, this is kind of the setting and I, I want you to just kind of uh, give me some idea springboards. And so being in New York, 9-11, and then I thought, hey, well, it looks like right out there, we have the very first superhero, a big giant statue, the Statue of Liberty. And that became the inspiration. And then I had a tragic backstory of, you know, my my family, not, not an uh, absentee family, my the people that were supposed to teach me were all dead. Won't get into it here. But uh, but you were mentioning the hunted and something that I think I've oh, people that I talk to a lot. Um, one of the things that they have a trouble with for Hero System is the flaws, the limitations that people have. And to me, that's actually one of my favorite things. Um, 
you know, 350, 150 uh, is what we play with a lot. And I tend to end up showing up with 300 points of drawbacks and uh, only getting 150 or 120 points worth of uh, of credit depending on the system uh, depending on the game but i will play to all 300 points and the truth is many people have if you're talking about the real world like robin um for example uh the mention a lot of people have that many points worth in their real life they just don't really catch on to it and they have to deal with it. So it, it's one of my favorite things about it because it lets you really be more fleshed out than just these are all my good traits. And even the even though complications aren't necessarily bad traits, they're just thing, they're things that you want the GM to bring up and they're things that you have to deal with in real, the real world. You have some you have a baby sister to take care of. You know, you have a job that you have to work. You do. You look a little different than other people. These are all things that happen in the real world. You know, Lala, if you don't mind, I'm going to use that to segue into some of the flaws with the hero system. And disadvantages is a good place to join in. Um, you're right. I think I think you and I have a very similar approach to disadvantages. There, uh, there's something that should be a a prompt for how your character can react. It's a uh, they should enhance the story of the character, right? But unfortunately, I I think hero system has over the years ingrained the idea that they're really just to balance out your character <laughs> you know it's take take this many points to balance out your character um and I, it led to at least the approach that that i believe is in the the the, the tone of the the instructions has led to a lot of people seeing them as just things i take to put on my sheets and i i never want to deal with them I see that a lot out of some people, and this is something I learned in Hero System, but that I any game that has disadvantages, I try and tell people. If you put something down on your character sheet, if you put a disadvantage, that tells me that you as the player are interested in storylines that involve this aspect. Many characters have a code against killing that like I don't want to go around killing people I'm not the punisher gunning people down but if you put down code against killing that means that this is something that is something you want to be playing with it's a widget that is important to your character um the the same thing goes with as you um uh, modify your your powers and I can't honestly think of what the specific name is I wasn't prepping for this um but there's uh, the advantages uh, that you can add to your powers, and then there's the mo negative modifiers, limitations. Thank you. And like Cyclops, he's got an optic visor, and this is a defining characteristic of his character that you can see come through in some of the good stories on how that has literally colored his vision of the world. I, I definitely think that, uh, I, I definitely see it as well, but when I try and bring people into Hero System, I always, same as Brandon, say that it is about what you want in a story. And, uh, like, I've, I've been recently re-watching the new MacGyver. He has a serious code versus killing. It is very much on his sheet. Why? Because, like, every chance he's given to kill somebody, even when it means, like, he is, like, this much from death, his entire team is, like, this much from death, he subdues them in some really weird 
crazy, uh, a crazy kit way. He has a way to subdue them because he has a serious code against killing. He will never kill anyone. And that's, and, but that's in the story. And that's an element of the story. If you have, if you're, you know, if you have a character with a, a, a kid brother that you have to take care of, well, if you, it's the kid brother is going to be calling on you and saying, Hey, you know, I need you at my sports game. And then things, bad things happen at a sports game and you have to protect your brother and keep your secret identity, stuff like that. So to me, it isn't about, it isn't about balancing out your character. And I, I know that when Brandon and I run people's characters or look through them, if it's a, if it's just a balancing thing, like, Oh, I'm going to take that. My skin looks weird. I'm like, great. Do you want a story about that? No, great. Cross it out. Uh, I gave you 150 points. You only spend 75 of your disads. If you figure out more disads later, well, you can always spend those points later. Yeah, original MacGyver was also very against killing, code against killing. They did a, they, but I was just saying that, you know, the new MacGyver, I'm actually going back and watching the old MacGyver again. I'm only a few episodes in. Well, it seems like that wasn't super controversial, but I'm going to, I'm going to say something now that may get some blowback. So I'm, I'm okay. It's fine. I have my opinion. You guys have your opinion, but uh, my opinion is that there's a, there's a thing called endurance in champions and endurance is, a stat, it's a resource that you have to spend in order to do things. Frankly, in my opinion, it's a mini game that sucks. It's bookkeeping, and the vast majority of the campaigns that I've played in just simply did away with it because it was, frankly, not fun. <laughs> we're trying to decide since we're Alice and I are in the same room. We're trying to make certain we're not both uh, whacking the mics at the same time. Um, so I can't believe you said that. Oh, sorry, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I I agree and I disagree with it because I do love endurance. I do love what it represents. I do love the element that you can uh, push your powers to go beyond. Uh, to in my hero academia terms to go plus ultra which we have been recently watching um but there are problems with it and it comes to the same thing that some gms some styles of play if you're dealing with dungeons and dragons are similar they want you to track ammunition they want you to track food resources because it's part of the game that they came from and a lot of people these days we're all very busy and if you're needing to track that kind of stuff, and I am the kind of person that loves tracking the ammo and such, but I've been moving away from it. And so I haven't played Hero System seriously for a couple of years, and I don't know if I would love dealing with the endurance mechanisms, but I love the aspect of building that and seeing how long can my character go. One of the problems is that I've seen at least, endurance is fairly cheap to buy, and so people just buy a lot of endurance, buy a decent amount of recovery, buy their, uh, by yeah, reduced endurance is a common advantage if people specifically say, I just don't want to worry about that. And I think that that's, at that point, a decent choice that the system does give you on a way that you can either interact with this widget or you can choose to avoid it. And of course, if a table just says, I don't want to worry about it, it is a legitimate decision. I think that for me, I, I like it and I don't like it. I love the concept of what it's trying to represent I, because you can't go forever. And, you know, when is your breaking point? Uh, 
you have the you and especially when you look at anything superhero or superhero adjacent, you know, you have these different levels of power that they draw from. And then there's this exhaustion. And it very much represents what endurance is meant to do. However, that bookkeeping makes me want to shoot some people sometimes because uh, sometimes you look across the table and you go, you're tracking your end, right? And they're like, uh-huh. And you're like, that math doesn't add up. That math really doesn't add up. And so you're like, eh, oh, I'm, I'm not going to get into it with them, but they should have, they, they should have been exhausted and they should be taking recoveries and going, ha, 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 block back, <laughs> but okay. Which, and so I would love to see a better system for it. Over the years, I've tried to come up with different alternatives for end in my games. And I haven't found a sweet spot for something that I just want to say, this is what we're running instead of end. You know, I'll be honest, I think heroes getting tired and doing things while they're exhausted is super cool. It's a great story moment. Spider-Man lifting that big thing in the in the in the water tank, you know, but it's a story thing. It's not it shouldn't be a bookkeeping thing. It should be something that, you know, you as a player like, cool, I'm going to take this disadvantage of being exhausted and get you know, like, I don't know, a, a hero point or a Benny in other games, you know, and use that to do something cool, even though I'm exhausted. Right. And that would be anyway, it, and, I'm, no, I'm done absolutely. talking about. <laughs> absolutely. And actually, I'm currently running a part time God, a part time gods game for uh, my core home game group. Uh, and I like the way that they handle that because what you're talking about would seriously just be something that they have as a flaw on one of their gods and be like, yep, I'm exhausted and let's put a die in the Pantheon pool. And I'm just completely out of it this round. I'm just either huffing and puffing and going, or like in Brandon's case, Brandon has a character that is a ditzy schoolgirl, And when she's overwhelmed, uh, it's pop quiz and she can't make a decision for the, uh, at all. And she's just paralyzed. And so she gets a, we get a Pantheon die and she does nothing. So, you know, I think that as a story thing, yes. Um, I, I think that beyond a story thing, I think there's also certain curves of uh, certain ups and downs that you want to encourage, but that's also depends on how deep you want to go. Are you playing a Powerball game? Are you playing just, I'm going to do a three encounter. Let's go beat up some bad guys. Or are you playing a campaign where you are developing the normal ID and the superhero ID, the depth of, and hero system is so expansive that you can do so much with it. And one other thing, I think that we are getting some really good comments in the chat on some of the ways of that end is used. And basically, it, it does act as a different widget, and it's a way that a character can excel, and that sometimes weaker characters that don't burn through their endurance as fast can try and basically play a game, a game of survive until the stronger character is more out of their endurance, um, things like that. And it does give you some widgets. It's also something that one teaching the game, you can remove the endurance system completely, and then you teach the game, and then you can choose to add it back in or not. Uh, that actually reminds me of one more tiny little story. 
I played Speaster Twins with someone uh, many years ago. We played a short campaign. And one of us was the really fast, fast speedster that had no control of their uh, speed and their powers and such like that. So they were just hyper, you know, they were hyper ADD, ADHD. And the other one was a speedster that had some more control. We had very different end pools. So the one that was that had no control would be like, go, 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 and out. And the other one would be like, okay, I... I can actually go a little bit further and therefore I can catch my little brother who is being really crazy stupid. Uh, wait, how did he get three buildings over? Okay, I'll catch him before his end recovers. Well, I'd like to... And that uh, made a fun story. It is a good story. Um, but I'd like to switch to a different stat uh, briefly. Still talking about flaws in my opinion, but um, the speed stat. So for people who don't know, uh, the speed stat goes from one to 12 and it is a stat you can buy with points. And the higher your speed stat, the more stuff you get to do in a combat round. Now that, on the surface, seems okay. But in, in practice, what it means is uh, you essentially get to decide at character creation how much screen time slash spotlight time you get at the table compared to everyone else. And I thought that was a really poor decision. <laughs> uh, and ultimately, I ended up... Uh, making everybody the same speed just so that we could get rid of that issue. Uh, no, this one I have to disagree with you on. I think that this is about the GM. Again, a hero system is a system that I feel that you need a GM with a higher mastery. Uh, for most of, uh, for many games that I'm in, the GM will state that, okay, we want everyone to be generally at a speed three. If you are a speedster or have something higher, you know, if you have a really, really good reason to be higher, then talk to me and I will let you go above speed three. In certain cases, even certain campaigns to make things easier, speed two. Uh, because at that point, you do have a regulation of everyone gets this amount of screen time. But if someone is a super slow character for some reason, they are one speed down. If they are a faster character or have certain reasons, they can ha have more speed also. We also do have requirements of if you are going to be a speed six, when it's your turn, you better go ding, 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 done. If I have to wait on you, you just lost that turn. We're going on. I'm sorry, but we're not going to hold up everybody at the table. So if you're um, and, you know, just let you basically. So you got to you really need to know what you're doing if you're at really high speed. And I personally it's actually a part of hero system that I enjoy because not everyone goes the same speed because you look at flash versus you look at, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh gosh, why did my brain just go blank? But you look at flash versus Batman, for example, and they are going at two very different increments and that's okay. As long as you are tempering and handling it well, in my personal opinion, it's well, just to point out one quick thing, though, the system is so versatile that if you want a character that can do a lot of stuff on your turn, you can just buy that. You can buy area effect strength. You can buy teleport doesn't, you know, there, there's ways to do it without actively making it, you have more time to do cool stuff than everybody else. But that said, screen time on doing it in that fashion, I've seen people take up more screen time anyway, just because, uh, and also depending on how they build their character, uh, you know, if they're building different types of power pools, you get to their turn and they're just like, yeah, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. And then five minutes later, they're done. 
with their one turn. So it doesn't take up any less screen time than if they had four actions. In fact, if they had four actions instead, then maybe they would actually be faster because you don't have to sit there going, okay, uh-huh. Hold on, you're still calculating, cool. They couldn't be calculating in between and be like, okay, I'm going to do this and that and the next thing. So I, I think that both ways you can end up with people taking up the same amount of screen time. I have experienced this and been like, nope, okay, we're just gonna move on. You can kick in in a moment because otherwise we're gonna be here for, for an hour. Speed, I know, is something that specifically brings me back to Hero System that it is a mechanic I absolutely love because of the fact that not everybody gets the same amount of screen time in that fashion. Um, that And yes, you can say, well, I can buy area effect on my strength, and that could be either Hulk smash and I beat the ground and everything explodes, or I'm the speedster that runs around and punches everybody one time during my action. And in I've, I've played that in other games, in other games that I like a lot, and I've never found it as rewarding. And I'm someone who is, like Alice was talking about, having a kind of a, a regimented that, you know, this is kind of what an average human would be. This is where this would be. And there's a chart that you're generally following on where acceptable speeds are to keep it somewhat controlled. But I'm, I've been willing to be on that slower end of that chart. And there's other ways that you can. Um, this goes back to what I was talking about on how many widgets there are to control. And with a, I think speed might be too cheap. Uh, to buy up if you're just freely designing everything, but it is it is an in, to me it's an interesting way to see the table unfold and the ways that actions happen. Are there any other uh, flawed mechanics you guys would like to uh, discuss before we move on to uh, talking about like the additions in the history? I don't have any right now. Uh, so yeah, we can move on. Um, for flawed mechanics, I definitely think that there are things that show their age in the game um, at times. I think that Hero System, from my experiences, it does not play that well online. And part of it is that online everybody you can only have one channel open basically at a time as soon as two people start talking it just becomes a lot of freaking noise but if i'm at a physical table running things there can be side conversations about things which the gm doesn't need to be you know paying attention to but can still keep an ear on but i can also be bouncing back and forth listening to somebody total up their dice and then come back in with that total at appropriate moment after you've moved on to the next action things like that and the speed chart specifically falls down um in online play from my experiences they are not that many online but that is definitely something that i have found hurts hero system for my current ability to play because Alice Nye's current lifestyle does not allow us to have a in-person game. Okie dokie. Uh, so I mentioned earlier in the, the show a little bit about the history of uh, champions. Of course, let's do a quick shout out to George McDonald, Bruce Harlick, Ray Greer, uh, Monty Cook, and a lot of the guys that helped make uh, champions uh, amazing over the years. Presence attacks. Thank you, Rock2112. One of my favorite mechanics 
period. I agree. I agree. Awesome mechanic. <laughs> uh, but uh, I can say I didn't play any at all of first or second edition. And honestly, I own them, but I don't even really like crack them open. Um, but I do think like some of the more memorable and interesting books uh, start showing up around third edition. Uh, you get stuff like The Blood and Dr. McCork, Aaron Alston's original Strike Force, and of course, Wings of the Valkyrie, one of the ones that had to, one of the adventures that had to be pulled from shelves due to its uh, content. There are guys... some. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I've, I've skimmed through a PDF copy of Wings of the Valkyrie. Uh, I did not have it back then. I remember a Dundrakon. Um, in the Bay Area, that Hero System, they used to have a big table, and it would be right as you go into the vendor area, and just all the different books that they would have. And this is at this point, I'm you know in my early twenties or late teens, um, and just how awesome it was to be able to see those and too poor to afford all of them by any means, but just that you know here's the the fantasy book, and here's the Western hero book, and here's Ninja Hero, and just the promise that each one of those had. And as I've gotten older and been able to get them, that a lot of them do deliver fairly well on the property that they're specifically trying to make accessible to you. Here's, you've mentioned a few times, the Dark Champions approach. And so those are ones that I love. The, the books that I identify with the most, though, out of Hero System... I believe that I got enemies one, two, and three before I even had the hero system book. And that those have been at my local games and things, which is a store that is long out of business as far as I know. And that I was able to get them because they're small books, they're cheap, and they just had, you know, like, I don't know, 32 pages of enemies. And so... I would be reading these stat write-ups and not understanding at all what any of the stats meant, but here's the backstories of these characters. And these characters are ones that have been reprinted in other versions as the editions have gone on up to the current version where they've in the sixth edition where they reprinted a bunch. But this summer, maybe last year, um, we were in Sacramento and there's a half price books there and they had enemies one and enemies three that were in good condition. And so I picked those up just because of the memories that I have with those books. And I want to find an enemies two that I like. So I think, you know, we, we've all said great things about fourth edition and I literally could name a dozen books that I love from fourth edition, but we're, we're running short on time. So probably good ideas to say fourth edition was awesome had some of the best products, in my opinion, of all the editions. Uh, oh. I, I agree that they had, I think that fourth edition in many ways was a, a heyday for the system uh, because the company and the resources and what started dropping after that uh, started shrinking. One standout is a third party publisher uh created san angelo city of heroes for fourth edition and uh those were some very high quality products that were kind of in an astro city type setting the world outside your window quote quote unquote um and, and i don't know if you guys saw or did anything with those but uh they were very good no but some other ones that um i've dealt with a little bit uh 
PS238, I think is the book, um, which was, as I remember, an official book. And I believe there's a comic that's attached to it. But basically, it's a, a school for superheroes uh, type of setup. But it felt very different in my memory. It's been quite a while since I went through it uh, than the traditional Xavier's Institute. This was much more like you're a student and you have superpowers and so you need to go somewhere to learn. And then another one that I like a lot on settings uh, that I haven't used, Shadowrun is a, a something that I always want to play and the rules and choosing the edition because there's different aspects I like in different editions um, between third and fourth. Um, and so the, there's a book, uh, Kaze 5, I believe it's called. Mike Zerbrook that uh, does a really cool job of giving you a shadow run or a cyberpunk type of setting for that. And then the Darren Watts um, did a great golden age book. Uh, Eric Kassler says PS238 by Aaron Alston. The comic is actually by John Kovalik, uh, but uh, Aaron may have written the, the rule book. And I uh, forget where this one was from, but there was also a shadow punk hero system a while back i forget who did that but uh there was a bunch of resources for that i know that i referenced shadow punk for a few things so after fourth edition we get what's called champions new millennium uh see there was kind of a dark time between fourth and fifth uh my friend sir brooke kept the church burning on his website for many years but uh fourth edition uh, ended champions new millennium began when uh, the company was acquired by a group called cybergames.com it's a big scam it involved savage worlds and a lot of other products uh it's covered in the designers of dragon series if people want to check that out um champions of the millennium was a mix between the uh, standard hero rules and the interlock system used by artelsorian games and new millennium gets a really bad rap a lot of champions players are like blah no thank you and they you know uh but I will say it had good production values and good layout, good art, all those things. And yes, thank you, John Nexus. RIP Darren Watts, gone too soon. Great guy. He was a great guy. Rest in Absolutely. peace. Uh, do you guys want to say anything about Champions New Millennium? I never really dealt with it. Like I, I briefly touched um, that, the fusion system, I think, and uh, but did not ever have a strong basis with it. We played, I played two one shots with it and beyond that, not really. And I played one without Brandon. I know that. Uh, so I don't have much with that either. I played, yeah, like I played a one shot that was three sessions. And then other than that, it was a, another one shot. All right. So after New Millennium, uh, we get the era of Darren Watts and Steve Long, who took over as uh, DOJ, and they began a uh, fifth edition. Uh, could we get the uh, Predators book on the, the line there? And uh, fifth edition has the distinction of having the most products made for any edition of Champions. Wow, I uh, did not know that and would have expected that to be fourth. It's not true. Fifth has many more products. Uh, however... And this is, again, uh, I'm going to say my opinion, my opinion only. It's a problem of quantity over quality. And uh, it's basically a huge homogenous mess where very few things stand out. And it is 
as evidenced by this cover here, the absolute nadir of art and graphic design for the game line. I, Every I sense... product is ugly. <laughs> oh. Those are strong words there, uh, there, Russ. I stand by them. They do get the Frame Brothers about halfway through the line to do like their covers, and the Frame Brothers are very good. So it like it improves, but woof. Uh, it it it. I mean, I, it, it just look at that cover. <laughs> well, and this was at if I remember when Fifth Edition came out. This was in the the wake of D&D third edition where we moved away from having art on a cover and instead had uh, made it look like a tome that you were going to open uh, that would be a wizard's tome or something like that because it was all bedecked with jewels. It was, it was a bedazzled cover. Um, and when, you know, your industry leader, even back then, uh, third edition quickly dominated and so many products cut art on the covers and to me just like i was talking about going into dundercon and the dealer's room and part of what made that table attractive was that there's a story being told and i talked to alice about this on comic books uh today versus the comic books i grew up with which is nostalgia glasses by all means but that now it's like wow that's really amazing art that's on a cover but it didn't tell me a story. And then I go back and I look at my covers from the 70s, from the 80s. And just by looking at that cover, it tells me a story. And uh, if yeah, I go I and I flip through my old issues of X-Men or any of the various X books that existed, I can remember, because of the story that it evokes on the cover, I can attach myself to the story that it, evo it has in the issue. I can up... Predators by one. Look up Tuala. Um, oh Tuala Morn. Tuala Morn. Morn. Yeah, that's that's Tuala the Morn. other one. I've considered Stephen because Stephen S. Long did it. Him, that was his book, and so it was not even a third party product. And that was just, hey, let me do some Celtic text with the title, and that's it. And you're like, okay, that's a cover now. Uh, yeah. So fifth edition, uh, at least in my experience, when I go into a game store, I would just see all of these textbook looking products on the shelf you could pull one down open it up look on the inside and it looked like a textbook it was all two lay uh, two column layout with uh, little sidebars very uninteresting uh, in terms of layout and also i should point out um this is the point where they stopped using comic book artists entirely if you remember fourth edition had george perez adam hughes uh, a few a couple other guys ben dunn this edition has zero comic book artists unless you count the frame brothers uh which again they do come in later and they're they're great very talented dudes um but they're definitely not like mainstream comic illustrators what you're talking about now uh you know you were asking about system mechanical uh, disadvantages but and flaws to and such but what brandon and i were talking about prior to showing up was one of the things that i really wanted to make sure we hit on uh regarding if this system is going to be revived is it needs to stop looking like a textbook because <laughs> uh, I will not bring up the company, but the co there's a company uh, head that was talking about how they needed to cut. Uh, they were cutting text uh, more and more with shareholders because 
people don't like to read anymore. And so it's got to have banging art. Like every page has to have art, cut more text, put more art in. I don't want that. I want substance, but I do need to open it and go and not go like I am reading stereo instructions. I am reading a textbook that is for some sort of engineering class uh, because I want to evoke something in my mind. And also the stories in them are gone. You know, it is just mechanics. It is how you do this, how you do that. And so the, everything that it, they use to evoke stuff in a player or a GM was removed for, here's how you do it. Well, but what kind of world, am, you know, can I present? And so without previous editions, without you having previous editions, you would not have any clue. Now there is uh, some standout third edition products for fifth edition. I would uh, I'd like to direct your attention to a game called Gestalt: The Hero Within by Scott Benny. Scott Benny wrote a ton of great products again for fourth edition. A couple of good ones for fifth edition. Um, but Gestalt is a setting. If you are a superhero RPG fan, in fact, if you're just a comic book fan, Gestalt is a book you should buy and put on your shelf. It's amazing. It's a great world. The cut. The, the basic concept is. All superheroes are uh, embodiments of ideals or values, um, not necessarily like a, a bitten by a radioactive spider. Um, and it, 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 you have like a hero whose whole thing is determination or a hero whose whole thing is secrets. And it's got one of the best villains of all time. They're on the cover, the guy with the mask. That's the Blood Red King, who is the gestalt of murder and the big bad evil guy for the gestalt setting. And as yeah. I remember, like this is a concept, what you're talking about on the basis of it, that has come up a whole lot more later on um, that a lot of other games have kind of embraced that same kind of like you're building a character that's the ideal of this or whatnot. But this is, it's not the first I'm going to say, but it is a lot earlier in the genesis of those concepts. And it's one that I, that we've got on our shelf and that I've, have found really enjoyable to read uh, and to try and plumb for ideas. And speaking of art, you don't need like the most elaborate, most, uh, you don't need the best, best, best artist in the world to create a really attractive book because Gestalt was a very attractive book. If uh, Mike, if you have a PDF copy of it, I don't know if you can grab page 33, but you know, it's not the most detailed but it is very comic book evoking uh color piece at the bottom of that page uh it's it's a piece that i remember very well it's pretty cool it's and i i love the uh, gestalt is a is a book that i think was done very attractively it's one of the more attractive superhero uh one of the more attractive hero system books to me and it also does embody uh some of the concepts I really like GMing and the, the idea of building that modern myth and the, you know, the, the modern myth or like the, not so much a superhero in the costume sense necessarily, but what you represent to the world. Uh, Brandon mentioned uh, Hero Academia, but you know, All Might, the symbol of peace. Yeah. He's, that, my Hero Academia has got ideas that definitely resonate and echo with Gestalt. Mm -hmm. And, I'll say this, I think there's no greater indictment of 5th edition Hero than the fact that they refused to publish this book. Benny offered it to him multiple times. He was a writer that they liked, that they used often, but they did not want this. So he had to go to Blackworm to get it published. If I can just weigh in for a second on this one historical thing. This is going back years and years, of course, but 
I've heard from a few different people in publishing that the dearth of comic book art in Hero System at the time was what made Green Ronin go so art heavy on Mutants and Mastermind. And then Mutants and Masterminds kind of stole the throne because it was, you open it up and it looked like a comic book. And they had, you know, Steve Kenson's setting with Freedom City and it kind of did a lot of the things that Hero System in terms of presentation had been doing before. Just did it in a more, you know, rules light and, you know, D20 way and D20 at the time was the crack everybody was smoking. So, um, yeah, went that out. But Mutants and Masterminds also has a lot of characteristics that are very much from Hero System. It's a mash. I always explain to people who've never played Mutants and Masterminds, if you've played D20 and you played Hero System, you can play Mutants and Masterminds. It's a combination of the two. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Mike, if you want to bring up that cover for villains. Um, yeah, we can do that. Unless you guys got, uh, Brandon and Lala, if you got anything else you want to say about 5th edition, I was going to move on to 6th. Um, I, I've enjoyed fifth edition. I played a uh, fourth edition. I played a lot more, you know, just goofing off as a kid. Fifth edition is where we were more taking things seriously, uh, trying to have an actual game. Um, but sixth edition is more where I've done most of my, my GMing time and most of my playing time. They, there were changes, but like I said earlier, between fourth to sixth, if you've got any of those books, you can play any of those editions. There will be changes, but they're going to be accessible and a GM should be able to help you kind of mitigate any differences in the system pretty easily. So here what we're looking at is one of the first books for Champion 6th edition. And between 5th and 6th, there was a big change. A company called... Uh, God, I, I don't know what they're called now, but at that time they were called Cryptic, uh, which is an MMO company, bought the rights for the Champions IP. And uh, Darren and uh, Steve and the guys at DOJ, they took that money and said, hey, we can, we can do a new edition of the game. And when we do this new edition of the game, they decided to really up the art. This is an example, by the way, these are the Frame Brothers that I've praised before. Um, but this is definitely one of their more advanced and epic uh, pieces of art. And they do they do good work. Uh, so I, I do uh, respect it. But you can tell just by looking at this cover that this is a whole new edition of Champions. Uh, look at the logo. Look at the, uh, the trade dress. Uh, you know, anyway. So, yeah, sixth edition. Cool. For... For reference, for people who don't know, uh, it was uh, Cryptic Studios bought it as a, um, and it was published by Atari that they did a video game, an MMO, and that's why they had the IP. So there was an entire MMORPG that some people used for a while to create their TTRPG character portraits. Uh, Brandon and I betaed the video game, and uh, there were good things, there were bad things about it. It was very much an attempt at, oh, Gosh, what a city of city of heroes and city of villains. Um, but it was very much a hero system attempt at doing that. Uh, it was it. They also took out a few stats, stats that they felt were extraneous for a video game. But uh, yeah, Cryptic Studios and they were um, owned by Atari. So the game was owned by Atari. And if I remember correctly, an important thing here is that Cryptic Studios bought Champions, but didn't buy Hero System. Correct. If yeah, I remember that true. correctly. Correct. And so Correct. if you see a Hero System 6th edition book, it's very much in the same style of the 5th edition 
um, stuff that they, it looks like a technical manual on the cover. And uh, we still have our, you know, fifth and sixth books that look, have the same look. And then, but the champions books had much more evocative art like this. And that's uh, very, very true. They bought and they had a, a part of the license, not all of Color art on the inside for the first time also appeared in this edition. Uh, now, uh, game-wise, though, 6th edition was the first major update to the game system. Uh, between So, 1st edition champions, 2nd edition champions, 3rd edition champions, very similar. 4th edition was a, was a big leap from that because it, it kind of co coalesced everything that had been built before. But uh, fifth, four, fourth and fifth were essentially the same game. Um, and then sixth edition comes along and they change quite a bit, um, which is which is good. It was things that were needed to to change changed. Um, so I, I do approve overall of the the rules changes between fifth and sixth. What do you how do you guys feel about those? I've been I know a lot of people talk very poorly about some of the rules changes. Whenever you do a massive change like that, you're going to have people on both sides. But like the the big ones that I remember is they got rid of some things. They got rid of one thing I really do miss, which is elemental controls. You can represent them in a different way. But the the major thing was there used to be primary characteristics, which was like your strength, your con, and those as you bought those up, they would affect secondary characteristics which was like your dexterity would affect your speed. And in sixth edition, a huge change was that they, they cut that tie. There was no longer a figured characteristic set. And because of some of the, the ways that this went, it used to be the best way to make a character what to attack would be to have a very high dexterity because it directly affected their offensive combat values. And so a character like Colossus a lot of people that would put them together or be making a character inspired by that would end up with having a high dexterity because it just made a more mechanically powered sense than doing things a different way. And the the cut of that figured characteristics and secondary characteristics kind of helped allow characters to build the way that they wanted to without just because I have a high this, that means I have a high that. Well, for me, it was about strength. Uh, you never wanted to buy strength as a power before 6th edition because of all the figured characteristics that you got from strength. Strength was not only how much you could lift, it was how much damage you could do in melee combat, how far you could jump without buying a superpower. It contributed to you being tougher, harder to knock out, and uh, also gave you a ranged attack because you could basically pick up things and throw up people. It was... It, arguably between that and dexterity was the god stat. Yeah. Uh, depending on the character that you had, it was you buy one up and you buy, or you buy the other one up. And also like uh, it was very, very heavily leaning into the physical one, uh, one way or another, because the, the mystic uh, style characters didn't feel like you had to pump anything because their derived characteristics were not nearly as critical for let's do everything. Uh, so, I think that them taking that and changing that was good uh, overall. It And also, it wasn't that much more math, especially if you use something like Hero Designer. It's not much more math to figure out. And it doesn't actually, in some cases, it doesn't even cost you more to if you're doing it right. It actually costs you less um, uh, for, in certain respects and allows you to create better with and be more precise. 
something that all three of us have commented on how much we like the precision of the exact character you want to build. So that was a change I liked too. Here's a version of a third party product for sixth edition, uh, Aaron Olson's Strike Force, which was, uh, I was the lead developer on this, so I'm very proud of it. Serbrook also basically did the lion's share of the work uh, collating uh, Aaron's notes and it turned into a really great, uh, in my opinion, uh, homage uh, and and uh, memorial to Aaron Alston. So that's uh, that's a third edition product, a third party product for sixth edition. Um, yes, Jacob Blackman did in fact do some some great artwork. Thank you so much, Jacob. In fairness, Jacob's done art for most, but most every book these days. <laughs> that's true. He's a very hardworking guy. Uh, I was at Barnes and Noble. I was flipping through a book of uh, World War II uh, small arms over in the discount section. Oh my God, there was art by Jacob Blackman illustrating like the old Lugers. So I'm sorry, I've been drinking. Let's continue. Uh, Brandon and Lala, do you guys have anything else you'd like to say about Sixth? Uh, it is a great game. I mean, I've talked positively about Hero System, about champions uh, throughout this. Uh, there are a few different ways that you can get into it. One is that there are out of print. There is, um, it initially came out in two volumes that there was kind of like the character creation book. And then there was the rules book. And then later on it, they came out with champions complete and fantasy hero complete. And those, I think they're pretty much the exact same material, but they condense books that, probably like about that thick down to a much more manageable amount by cutting out a lot of examples. It doesn't read quite as heavily of stereo instructions to use the old Beetlejuice line, though that's always something that I liked in those, uh, the big ones, but it, uh, no, they, they don't have any color in those books. Oh, the cover is more colorful. Um, but those are great ways to get into it. And, you know, talking to people, uh, somebody uh, in chat, I know, mentioned a Discord server that you're able to get games in, and it's a great way to get involved and start learning things about it. And uh, go ahead, Lola. He actually covered what I was going to. I was actually attempting to go find our hero system uh, the three books he was mentioning uh, on our shelves, but I don't know where they've been moved to. But volume one is this thick. Volume two is this thick. So for me, if I'm depending on who I'm teaching, it's just easier to just grab. Okay, Brandon's going to grab the books uh, to to just kind of steer away from those two books to start with and just say, uh, don't worry about that right now, because otherwise this, this focus your character creation oh look he grabbed the books he found them while i was unable to uh so uh i don't believe i'm lying about the, the weight and size of them that's fifth edition you're you're muted brandon i'm using my discord keybind this is fifth edition um and this is kind of what i mean that it looks like a technical manual and there is your thickness of the book then that's we good. move on on to sixth edition, and there is your thickness of the books. Mm -hmm. That can stop at point two. Yes, they are bulletproof. That's been proven. Now, in their defense, like those are crazy thick. That it is also the closest to cardstock that you've probably ever seen a book printed with on the paper. It is very, very thick, but it's still really overdone. And then here is Champions Complete. 
which is a very nice slim profile and gives you everything that you really need to play the game. It cuts down on a lot of stuff to make it much more accessible. And that's Derek Heimford for anybody who's curious. Go ahead, Lola. And for anyone who uh, is curious about the Core 2 books for 6th edition, the, yes, indeed, it is too heavy for its spine because we have broken multiple copies. And luckily, when we comment, we sent in about how they broke and ripped from the, their covers, uh, one set was sent to us as a, uh, as a token of apology for how badly it just the weight of it came apart from the spine. So you have to be kind of delicate and gentle with them, kind of baby them. But yes, they are very much bulletproof. But if I'm going to introduce somebody to Hero System, I'm definitely going to start with complete rather than here's core book one and core book two, unless I really want to torture them or I know that they are going to enjoy that other method a lot more. So unfortunately, oh, go ahead, Brandon. One other thing that I do want to say, um, I, I mentioned this earlier, that Champions gets a bad rap on math, and it also gets a bad rap on complexity, in my opinion. I think Alice mentioned this, but I don't know if it was before we went live or after. But when I would GM, I would generally be a fly by the seat of my pants, and all of a sudden I need to come up with bad guys. And so I'd say, okay, everybody, take five minutes. And by the end of that five minutes, I would have five, like, superhero level so like named character type guys designed and i still have my scratch papers that i would just write down their stuff really fast and be able to figure out how this person operates how this person defends and it's just super quick notes it's easy to shorthand and understand once you start getting used to it because like has been mentioned the system is fairly elegant once you understand how it's working I also highly recommend investing in Hero Designer even before uh, when it was even in fourth edition. Uh, the uh, the character creator was decades ahead of its time. In fact, to this day, I don't think uh, any program out there does a character generator system as well as the Hero System ones that have come out. And so, if you're learning. Hero Designer is a fantastic tool because once you get an understanding of it, I feel it actually teaches you a lot about the game as well because you're like, oh, that goes with that, that goes with that. I can add this to this. And how does that work at that point? Oh, look at the math. It does that for me. And you start to really comprehend and it helps you into it a lot of the design. You okay, Brandon? Um, and, uh, I fail drinking. <laughs> it's like the airplane movie. I've got a drinking problem. So, uh, Lala, I'm going to just, well, Lala and Brandon, um, I'm going I'm to push back just a little bit. Uh, so, th as a game designer, there is the the ever-present battle between depth and complexity, right? That's just the thing you always have to deal with. Um, but I'm going to illustrate one point where I do think Hero System it shows how complex Hero System can be. Um, to be a sneaky character, you actually need three different skills. You have to have stealth, which is moving around quietly. You have to have shadowing, which is following people quietly. And there's concealment, which is hiding things on your person or elsewhere quietly. And that's just far too complex for being a sneaky character. And if I want to be a lawyer, that's as many as 10 different skills that I have to buy just to be a lawyer. <laughs> so pointing that out. 
We always used, oh gosh, I forget, but we always used the APG system for skills because it allows you to uh, get skills for really cheap. And uh, I forget the system right now off the top of my head. It's late. It's uh, been a very long week for us. So if somebody remembers what system I'm talking about in the APG, but I won't play Hero System unless or run the Hero System without us using that because it it really helps with the skill set that you need. But if you're talking about stealth characters, D&D isn't that much easier if you're talking about, because you're also talking about concealment is for sleight of hand. So you're talking about, for example, your, you need your decks, you need stealth, uh, you need your stealth, and then you need your sleight of hand if you want to be able to pickpocket and stuff like that. So that's still three, three things that you still need to invest in. Um, so that it's, it's how you want to invest. I like, uh, I do agree that it can be really over the top and the balance can be a little bit crazy because I literally did have a character that was a lawyer. I literally had a character that was a professor. Both of those, that skill list just goes on and 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 on. And so I really appreciated the APG ability to buy them in kits where I'm taking bonuses off, taking points off for buying more and more in the same package. And I can't remember what the system is called right now in the APG. Um, but the, but at the same time, I, I'm a person that likes having skills in, in games. Uh, <laughs> it, I like things more complex, but yes, it can be a little bit much. Well, uh, I think unfortunately, uh, we've come to kind of the the end of champions as a going concern because sixth edition hasn't had any new products in a very long time uh it's not really seen at game stores anymore it's this is kind of the end of champions as a major game line but there is a post sixth edition era which we are now in we should also mention, if we're talking about 6th edition era and such like that, a number of years ago, the company had to announce that they shrunk down to a one-man company because it was uh, because of everything that happened. So it, there's not much support out there, even from the company themselves. It's a one-man company. Well, they did decide to do a Kickstarter a couple years ago. The latest project for champions is a product called champions now uh which is certainly a new approach to the game uh it's by a guy named ron edwards who has zero champions uh public published products before this and not associated with uh but not, not at associated all. at all with stephen long or the or the hero system company no and and frankly these guys could have gone to anybody they could have gone to bob greenway they could have gone to jason allen they could have gone to mike sorbrook and said, hey, or Derek Heimforth, they'd be like, hey, we're doing some champion stuff. Maybe you should do that. But they went to Ron Edwards. And I don't know. Have you guys seen Champions Now? Have you read it? I've got it on the shelf, and I read it shortly after. Alice and I were involved in a, a brief play test on it with uh, Ron Edwards. And it is... I, I started in 4th edition. I have a little bit of experience with earlier editions. It does not represent fourth edition and on from my experience uh, a point that i know i was told is that it represents a previous era of champions um that's not so much what i've seen when i've looked at older champions products that i have access to yeah i i don't know the politics i i will not get into the politics or say that i know all the politics of who went to whom about it 
uh, about the project. But what I do know is that Ron Edwards' pitch for Champions Now is that it was a throwback to what he viewed was first edition of Hero System back when it was named Champions in his mind. And very, uh, it's a very different completely different entity than anything fourth and on. So I wouldn't even consider them to be put into the same pool to play in. So my opinion on champions now is that it's a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> and uh, does anybody want to change my mind about that? Okay. I don't have enough information to <laughs> uh, try and change your mind. Um, I got my, my book. I, like I said, I read through it, but the game was not the game that I wanted it to be. Um, so I didn't invest much more time in it than that. I, I will say Ryan Edwards is a lovely human being. We had him on this podcast and Alice and Brandon grilled him a little bit. And, um, I found him to be a pleasant conversationalist and I hear he has a nice singing voice. Oh, nothing personal, Ron. Absolutely nothing personal, yeah. but wow. I... I, I'm. I did not play enough of it to. I. I for me to. I, I'm not going to say anything bad. Um, I will say that I, like Brandon said, we play tested it with him a bit, uh, and we. I had some experience with it. It is not my game. It is not the hero system that I will gravitate towards. Uh, well, does it have an audience? I'm certain it does. Just like. The thousands of other games out there, there is an audience. And I do think Ron's a great guy. And uh, so I, I'm not going to badmouth any, anyone on a, either side in this regard. Like I've talked about a number of times, uh, widgets is something I like in Champions. And it strips away a lot of your ability to change your character, build, represent them. Uh, it simplifies, and so it goes against the way that I look to uh, wanting things for for champions. Kind of my my I, three superhero games that I always bounce between is uh, Supers uh, Revised, uh, Mutants and Masterminds, and Hero System, and they each have aspects that I really really like, and they each have things that make me niggle and go. The other one does this uh, this thing. And I wish that I, at the moment I could do that thing. And so I always bounce between those three. And I'll, I try lots of other ones as well. But Skill multipliers. That's the APG rules that I'm talking about. Well, I want to say, uh, Lyle and Brandon, you've been wonderful. And we had some minor disagreements. But I would love to sit down and just talk champions with you guys for hours. Talk, talk about our favorite books. Talk about some mechanics we like. Uh, mechanics we don't like. but it's clear that we're all big champions fans and I it's, it's my pleasure to have uh, met you guys and had this chance to kind of really go in depth about the hero system. And play. Don't forget play. Play. We can play. We can play. It. Absolutely. Play. Talking about systems. Great. But let's throw down some characters and some dice. That's even cooler. It's a great hey. way to get to know people. Hell I'm yeah. Sorry. Can you tell I'm always Jones in for a game? Hell yeah. Good job. Quick question. Under. Um, are there many actual play hero system shows out there? Because I'm not aware of any, but zero to my knowledge. No. Yeah, I've got a feeling that's a big untapped audience, and, and as Brandon mentioned, it doesn't always lend itself well to online play. So maybe that's why. Yeah, so. I, um, there for VTT support. 
there's actually a decent amount of DTT support. There's an official and an official an official and an unofficial uh kit for Foundry. There is uh, support on Roll20. There is no support on Fantasy Grounds, though there has been someone who has been working on it for, what, four, five, six years that um, theoretically on the boards is keep saying it is still coming uh, for Fantasy Grounds. So that, But there are a couple of ETTs that do support Hero System. Roll20 being one that everybody knows has access to. It's free. It's easy. And the character sheet on it is not bad. But uh, I would also say that you probably want to make sure that you have your character sheet written out in some other fashion before you input it into Roll20, because I have found a, it a little bit quirky, and uh, you might lose data on it. <laughs> but if you do want to play, there is VTT support uh, out there. And as to my earlier comments, like I say, I haven't done that much with trying to play Hero System Online that was just my experiences, and by all means, I would freaking love to find a game that would work because it's a, a game that I absolutely love. But with nursing school, full-time work, and general life, I have so little time for gaming right now, unfortunately. I'm happily on Christmas break. Huzzah. That's the reason we were able to schedule it for tonight, because yes, our lives are absolutely crazy. Uh, I don't get into a lot of my health stuff on Banff or BWK, but for those of you who watch diligently, you guys know that I multiple people have commented about, alluded to things about my health. These days, I'm seeing specialists all up and down the coast, so I'm having to drive hours to certain specialists at times. So it can add to our time, and I'm sorry. But beyond that, I'm not going to get into stuff. Fair enough. Um, on behalf of Mike and myself, uh, we really appreciate you guys coming and joining us on this extra-long episode of the Banff Podcast. Uh, and we hope you guys uh, do well in the future. Uh, again, it's a real pleasure uh, speaking with you guys. It was awesome to get to meet you, Mike. It was great to see you again. Uh, I'm glad that you found a new home on the Enterprise Bridge. <laughs> and Brandon, you haven't seen him in these glasses until now. It's been a while, but you I've dealt with him with these glasses for a while, but you didn't hang out with him until he before these glasses or after these glasses. I've owned these glasses for like half a decade now. Um, it just before now, you've always been talking to me in the middle of the day when I'm wearing my contacts, but I'm an old man. I'm going to say something really creepy, and I've seen him. He just doesn't know that I've seen him. Ooh. Did, did you bug that camera that we sent him? Uh, and I, I didn't catch who was saying that Roll20 is really easy, but yes, Roll20 is a very easy and accessible VTT. Like I said, though, the few times I messed with Hero System, the character sheet bugged out a little bit on me or other people. So just make sure you have a backup. Just make sure you have a backup so you don't lose it. All right, so next week we're doing an actual play Hero System. Ross, right? <laughs> no. No, no. Okay. no. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks I'll play. for the... I just don't know that I will have the time to uh, figure out how to figure out uh, a game to run at the moment. You know, Serbrook would be all about this, though. Got to be clear. I would love to meet him because I've used his site for so many years. Uh, maybe Mike and I'll bring him on the show. Uh, we, Sounds we, we great. Could, uh, we could do a, a mini series of Hero System episodes. I see him a lot. He lives I, in my town I'm down for that. I'll build characters. Mike. I will play. I'm happy to do that. Mike I'm lives in town here, Ross? Yeah, Serbrick lives, uh, lives in Thornton. 
just I a little didn't bit know that. He's he's a neighbor for both of us. Then, are we still good for Saturday for that thing? Sure. Or is it Sunday? Okay. The, we'll figure out that thing. Yes. We'll figure out that thing. All right. So that thing I sent you. That the, the thing and the place with the people. All right. We'll talk about it off of the air. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We will catch you next time on the Banff Podcast. Bye everyone. Yeah. Thanks Bye, for having everyone. me. As usual.